Pridecast on this Sunday evening. Um, there's uh, no guests today, and it's just me and and Pete. Hello, Pete. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, not bad. So, um, yeah, it's just me and thee. Uh, we're going to discuss a bit about um, uh, Godzilla versus Kong that came out uh, the week before last, I think. Um, we weren't here last week because I was busy with books and stuff. And I've showed a picture. I've showed a picture on my um, on my Facebook and, and, and Instagram of uh, my history books, which I organize chronologically. And because they're chronological, um, they're, and the books are all in very different shapes and sizes to keep them in sort of one place I've had to sort of lay them on the side so I've got people going why have you laid your books on the side and it's like because I want to have them in chronological order so I've got classical I've got Napoleonic I've got World War One, World War Two, and it's all in areas I can go to instead of having it all like because I've got some mass I've got some massive books and it means I'm going to have to have like like massive like gaps in the shelves and stuff and it's just completely yeah, off topic but it's just you know i i i I've, I've gone for ease of reference over over looks basically absolutely i mean i've got I've, i don't know how many books i've got because frankly it's uh, horrifying <laughs> but i got like bookshelves i mean i've got me on library in uh, my home and i like to keep all the books by different by by the authors together now I've got books in from by the same author in hardback, in softback, in what have you, and I've just had to kind of stick them where I can to, just to keep them all together. Like if one to read a Robin Hood book, I know exactly where that Robin Hood book is. They are kind of jiggled around all over, and like there's no like no consecutive order, but they're all together. I know yeah. where they are. Yeah, it's, it's a, just not very neat. I it's just like I've got. Um... Because I've got, see, I've got these, like, the problem I have is, like, I, qu- I quite like getting hardbacks if I can. If I can't get the hardbacks, then um, I'll, I will get the paperbacks. And obviously paperbacks are a lot easier to sort of kind of fit in stuff. But hardbacks, especially in history books, come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. So I've got these big sort of kind of encyclopedia ones about battles and stuff. And then I've got these, these smaller ones. But the thing is, if you want to keep everything in chronological order, the big ones kind of need to be where they are and it, it's sort of it's hard and so people are just sort of going oh my god what have you done to your books and i'm just like i'm keeping them in chronological order so if anybody wants to come into my house and i'm like well what would you like to read i was like there's classical up here napoleon down here world war Two down here you know it's, just, it's all good to go what you need to do is have your bookshelf dedicated to each time period that's my napoleonic era over there's the uh, World War Two area, and just kind of have it like that. Well, I still think if I had enough books, um, I think it's my. I've got a, I've got loads of fantasy stuff, and you oh, know, yeah. and things like that. So I've got like you know a couple of bookshelves worth of that. But um, and they're a bit more uniform, I think, so they're a bit easier to sort of deal with. But because uh, the history books are all shapes and sizes, it's very much um, a case of. I don't have enough to sort of fill multiple th- bookcases, and I think somebody. Uh, what's that? Let's see if I can uh, find one of the comments that I got on Facebook about my uh, about my bookshelf. What does it say? Um, and it's only it's only one of them. Where is it? Uh, the book sh- it is. It's my friend Heller, and she's just like uh, she said. Take note the quantity of all the book, but the presentation, Matt. Your book is making me twitch with all those laid flat books. I was like, I, I don't have 
the, that's the thing is with ikea bookshelves is right they've got these weird they've got these weird sort of spacings so it's like yeah. if i so i've got a lot of sort of big books uh coming up napoleonic area and classical area and stuff and it's like if i was to bump up uh one shelf that means the other shelves would be really small and i wouldn't be able to fit them in and it just doesn't work so yeah, I mean, yes add to that when you have graphic novels you can't really stack them um like no as you would normally like no um standing up you have to kind of put them sideways otherwise you kind of again with the ikea bookshelf analogy you'd have to kind of raise one shelf up and then all the others would be kind of really crammed in yeah it's just i don't know ikea bookshelf so it's just and the thing it's because you've got like basically you've got this like center you've got this like center or slot there's a couple of slots that are literally there there and you can't move them and if you move the shelves up slightly or down slightly, it means that that shelf below is going to be smaller, which means the bigger books won't fit at all. Yeah. So it's just like I can't, I can't win. I could have put them in. I could have put them in just nice, sort of neat order. But then I would have been all higgledy piggledy. I would have had sort of you know general military history with Napoleonic history, and I'm sorry, just like, you just can't do that. Yeah, exactly. It's got to be got to be chronological. Exactly. Got to be chronological. I, I, you know, I'm all about the ease of uh, all about the ease of reference. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that's a functional bookshelf. You don't want a neat one. You want one that's functional and yeah. usable. Yeah, if, if I had like the money to get sort of kind of um if i had the money to get custom bookcases and i had more books like i would love like my ideal would have a, a room that was effectively just a library i'd love well, one of those ones with a ladder prepare yourself to be jealous um when we have having the loft conversion done we i said that you no know, the staircase up is to kind of go to go up against each wall yeah now when the staircase was put in one of them, the first one that was going up from the initial landing, was six inches from the wall. And he's going, what's that? What's that? That staircase is literally just floating there. There's nothing, no, it's not next to any wall. It's a, Don't, but that's what we need to do because the way the, well, listen, the plans clearly said next to the wall, not six inches from it. I said, well, we can't move the stairs. Okay, then move the wall. So literally, the guy, the guy, and to his credit, to the guy's credit, he did this completely, you know, free. Yeah. He moved the wall, um, so therefore, he said, Look, we can't, you can't stand in that area. So that's fine. We don't want to stand it. Build, put in some bookshelves. Literally, make all that space you created in that room bookshelves. Yeah. And I said, wait, there's a library, and we just basically got this like literally a wall of bookshelves. Oh, glorious! Which is my literally my pride and joy. Glorious, yeah. Uh, my uh, my old drummer uh, Stuart, he's sent over. Um, he's sent over um, uh, pictures of his father-in-law's uh, bookshelf, and that, there's loads of them. And I'm just like, yeah, that, that that's pretty. But then he sent he sent me a message. He says, so I've shown your collection to my father-in-law, and he is very impressed with your collection. He has half the books you have, but he has also said your presentation need works. The shelves are too narrow. Not tall enough. More work needed. He's highlighted areas of improvement. Attention still loves you. <laughs> no matter. Nice. Yeah, that's that's not the, that, the thing. Is it's chronological order? That's yeah. not, that's not like you a, need it, but you do need it usable. I mean, and functional. Otherwise, you couldn't. You know, you could not find the book you were looking for. You could not find the information, and that's critical. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sticking with. That. I'm glad you're with me here, Pete. You know, I'm just gonna. It's it's all about chronological order over over presentation. 
Yeah. Usability. <laughs> usability. This presentation comes last. You want something usable. If you, want, if you wanted presentation, I'd just get a load of crap books. But no, I want to read and, you know, I mean, like, look, I've got a shelf of games below me. Below that is, um, let's see what it is now. It's reference material. Yeah. You know, that is more of, it's like his uh, dictionaries and encyclopedias. And, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just yeah. I'm I'm blaming I'm blaming IKEA bookshelves basically for uh, if they they have oh, big if they have right. bigger sort of spaces for like bigger books. But the thing is, it's also the fact that the books that I have are completely irregular. So I've got ones that do sort of kind of have have sort of kind of uniform sizes, and they're all right because they'll they'll go on their sides. But then you've got ones that aren't. They're slightly too they're slightly too uh big. Uh, and you, you can't because if you up the shelf one space more, then it messes up the shelf above. And just, just well, the thing with like, I mean, IKEA bookshelves are great. I mean, for what they are. However, you have to be very careful of what level you put your books at. Because I mean, if you put the big chunky books at the at the top, one they're going to get that lovely kind of bowing Bow, arch yeah. and also if you put the really heavy ones top there's a risk that they could like do unbalance fall over so, exactly so you have to kind of basically balance that out as well so it's it's a bit of a kind of a uh, i don't even know what you call it really but you have to you have to give it some thought you have to be really careful about how you how you put your books on your bookshelves especially yeah, I, your bookshelves and you have to be very careful by because they, they they i had to sort of attach mine to the wall um, I was I was listening to like I've read the book a lot and I've listened to the audio books called the Sh- the Shadow of the Sword by uh, Tom Holland and oh it, yeah there's a um there's an anecdote about a Islamic scholar um whose name completely uh, I I can't remember uh but he he got crushed by his book collection basically <laughs> um so he had like a a, a big big book collection and obviously yeah. there was like a history of islam or of uh, yeah of islam and it was like you know sixty thousand pages or something and it crushed him <laughs> it fell on top of him and killed him um so yeah it's uh well i mean i mean i've got some um peter peter f hamilton books and they are in themselves what was one of his books is the size of a typical trilogy wow and those are big, meaty books. So you generally put them at the bottom of the bookshelf because, you know, you could use them to beat whales to death. They're that chunky. <laughs> like, I just, I, I would love, I just love a proper, like, you know, just a, have you ever been to, um, what's it called? Uh, Chatsworth House at all? Yes, like you have yes, been I, Chatsworth. Well, I do. Yeah, yeah. been to Chatsworth. Yeah, it's um, they, they've got like when you go walking around the grounds and you can go inside the house, um, and they have an amazing library, and it's just oh, yeah. like you look at it and you're just like, I wish I had a library like this. I would just love a library which had like one of those 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 steps you could climb up just to you know. Oh, yeah. I want to get my volume of you know Descartes or you know my. Uh, <laughs> know my first edition of you know something from over here i'd love that it'd be so good you know yeah (sighs) glorious 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 right okay um swiftly moving on uh to something that's actually on topic um (laughs) so um godzilla versus kong came out recently uh we got a we got a copy of it to sort of uh to watch and review and um and Josh did the review for it. 
Um, so views. What, what's your initial? What's your initial sort of? All right. Okay. My initial takeaway is it looked fantastic. You know, it really did. It looked. It looked. It was visually stunning. The plot and the story. And I know I'm going to get flamed for this. I've got, we're talking about plot and story with Godzilla versus Kong. It's kind of the backbone and the spine. Yeah, the big highlight is the showdowns between Kong and Godzilla. The plot, though, is bobbins. It really is absolute, utter bobbins. Um, and there's so many plotters. You can just drive, you could drive a tanker through it. It's that <laughs> wide. Um... I can go into that much more later, but Jeff, overall, it was watchable. Just to, just I'm you kind of skip the watchable but forgettable. That's not so yeah. Of... That's it. I mean, it looked great. I mean, the direction and the effects and the lighting and the colors were really fantastic. It really kind of it, very rich is what is how I would call it. A lot of texture to it, and like you could got a feel for the different areas and where they went to. But the story was just painful. It really was. And it made no sense. Really, it just made no sense. <laughs> I mean, I I not I really I'm not the biggest fan of Godzilla. Having said that, I do really enjoy um Kong Skull Island. Yeah. Watch that. That that is not just a King Kong movie. Kong is in it. But the stories evolve all around him. It's not about him, but the stories evolve all around. What is, what Kong is is a story about PTSD. Mm. As, and it's, it is it, basically all about PTSD and the effects that war has on people and how the different people react in being in a war situation and how their mentality changes. Okay. Okay. Uh, example. Um, this initial starting character. Bear with, um, me, bear with me one minute here, Pete. There's somebody at my door and I. So, so just okay. talk to you, talk to yourself. <laughs> hey, well, this is very unprofessional of Matt, isn't it? Yes, going away mid podcast and leaving me holding the reins, so to speak. So technically, I have the power. But rather than leaving dead air and twiddling my thumbs for a bit and making this very awkward silence, I'm going to keep rabbiting well, until Matt gets back. Well, yes. Danny just brought me cookies. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Danny. Although I don't notice she's not brought me any. Mm, yeah, like she's she's a legend. Look at that. Look at those bad boys. Mm, oh. That's, oh, that's not fair. But Danny, next time bring me some as well, please. You're going to bring any to Matt. The fact that we live at 60 miles apart has nothing to do with this. <laughs> just saying. Uh, it's brilliant. been noted. Oh, brilliant. I'll have to give some to Gosha. If I don't eat them all first. <laughs> anyway, right, so PTSD. Yeah, PTSD. Okay, basically, uh, it's all about the different effects that war has. That'll be a prime example of this is um, Samuel Jackson's character. The he's Colonel. basically all about gunning down Kong. He is basically like, he's a, the archetypical military um, uh, soldier. Compare that, though, with the um, the initial characters at the start who are fighting the uh, Japanese soldier, and I think I think it's American. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And they set aside, ultimately set aside their differences and work together. All right, towards the end, where they basically turn the guns on the colonel. Exactly. Yeah, it's all about you know 
the psychology. And that is very interesting. I find, I find that really, really, I really enjoyed Kong Skull Island. And I would happily watch that again. Because, like, it's it's been over a year now. I've forgotten bits of it. I've watched other films. And I'm not saying it's gettable, but it's just a really good film. And I enjoyed it. And I would watch it again. Godzilla vs. Kong, it doesn't have that depth that it could have had. Uh, I... I, um, I, I, I didn't see Kong Skull Island as having depth, to be honest. I just thought it was a good, you know, Kong film, bit of a romp. You know, I didn't sort of think a lot. I didn't think much into it other than, um, you know, oh, God, what's his name? Plays Loki. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, yeah. Um, you know, Tom Hiddleston. You know, being XSAS, you know, Samuel L. Jackson nearly saying motherfucker. And, um, you know, just, it was just a, it was just a bit of a sort of kind of a bit, a bit of a romp. And I, and I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, again, oh, yeah. I, I, I would probably, yeah, I don't know. Did I enjoy it as much as I enjoyed it more than Kong? Uh, did I? I don't know. Did I? I, thing is, I enjoyed Kong versus, Godzilla. I enjoy Kong Kong Skull Island. Um, the only difference I would say is, yes, I think Kong versus uh, sorry Godzilla versus Kong. There are a lot more sort of plot holes, and oh, it is well, very much a case of they're sort of shoehorning things in, so they sort of they they mash together. But if you, if you get past it, I you know I don't, I couldn't I could I mean. There's many big questions like, okay, ignoring the fact you've got two, I mean, Godzilla vs. Kong has two narratives. You've got the, um, this is the conspiracy theorist um, narrative with that featured um, Millie, Bobby, Millie Bobby Jones. Oh, but anyway, you've got the, basically the conspiracy theorist. Yeah, and his and the kids, and you've also got the monarch operation, and they kind of come together at the end and exchange information, and it all comes together. Realistically, you could have very easily excised that um, conspiracy theorist plotline altogether, and it would have had very little impact on the overall film. There was no need for it. It was painful at times to watch. It was very cliched and pointless. <laughs> It really was. Um, and, okay, the thing with... Uh, are we going to do spoilers? Uh, oh, yeah, to... it's spoiler warning. If you're if you're listening to this and you, you, you don't want to sort of... You know, not that you're going to... I, to be honest, to be honest, if you, if, if you don't know what's going to happen in, in Godzilla versus Kong, you know, yeah. you, you can well, kind of guess. There is the ultimate reveal at the end of, oh, look, they're building Mechagodzilla. What a surprise. But they're saying, oh, we need more power. We need more power. Okay, yeah, I can get behind that. What about those kind of hollow earth aerial vehicles that have been flying around for the past six hours without any problems whatsoever with power? Why don't you just hook up um, the Mechagodzilla to, to a few of them? You'll be fine. There's like, and also, that was just like, it just made no sense that like- Yeah, but they, they were, they were, they, you could argue, sorry, I've got a cookie in my mouth now. Um, 
professional. Yeah, professional. Um, you could argue that there was only three of them. One got destroyed, and uh, one of them got destroyed uh, when they were in the Hollow Earth. Um, yeah. What happened? One. Yeah, I think- yeah, one, one got, got destroyed. left there. One got yeah, destroyed. Yeah, and one got, one, one got destroyed by um, Kong. Yeah. But why didn't you just use the power source from one of them to power Mechagodzilla? And also, it's just like you've built it at least three times. I'm pretty sure you could build it four or five times. Really, you couldn't have been that much of a stretch, perhaps. Uh, so again, that just made no sense. Um, let's also. Also, the um, Kong leaping between battleships as if they were stepping stones. <laughs> yeah, that was amusing. You know, sink, mate. It's, it'd be like if you or I stood on a, um, a lily pad, we'd just go straight in it. That would basically what would happen as if, if the Kong stepped on a, um, a battleship. Like, no, they don't float like that. They're not like, you know, anti-gravity devices. Kong steps on one down. I don't know enough about the science behind it. It's all oh, yeah, down, to, trust me. It'd, down it'd to buoyancy. It'd be like us trying to hop, um, like jump between lily pads. We but just it, it wouldn't, though, it wouldn't though, would it? Because if it was lily pads, lily pads, the, the thing is with battle, you know, ships sink, ships um, float because yes. there's a ball and there's air within it, and the air is obviously yes. Um, and so and if you push it down, it's a 400 it's, foot tall kaiju. Yeah, but it's going to be down to With the With hundreds weight. of thousands of tons, and it would sink. Mm. Combine that with the downward force of gravity landing at a full force. Like, no, that would sink. Uh, mm. Shush dog. Yeah, trust me, it would. I'm uh, an engineer. All right, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd I, I need to see this. I, I need to see the science of it. <laughs> My God, this dog. Oh, my God. Such a, such a pest. If he didn't have, you know, 136,000 followers on TikTok. If he wasn't paying you in TikTok. Mood. Yeah, I'd eject you from this house for being a pain in the ass, dog. You know, that's a pain in the ass. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I mean, the entire point of going down to Hollow Earth and then getting the energy signature and then sending it back up to... Uh, Monarch and also the Cybernetic Corporation uh, to then use on the Mechagodzilla. Like, I'm not sure how a Mechagodzilla would, as like how a energy signature would solve the energy problems. Frankly, it just feels a bit of techno bubble for no reason, and therefore you could pretty much say the whole entire Hollow Earth point is no reason. And then let's go on the fact of, okay, you've got that pilot who's connected cybernetically. Uh, with like this imp, like a um, skull cap on his head to control Mechagodzilla, and he uh, gets electrocuted for some reason that's never adequately explained. Uh, I've I've actually read the synopsis to find out what was going on, and apparently it's the energy signature overpowered it or something. But I was kind of read, well, what about that that um, the decapitated head of um, Ghidorah? that was lurking there as well. I mean, I kind of read that as that was kind of Ghidorah taking over and taking over Mechagodzilla and attacking Godzilla himself. But that was just me going, is that what happened? I think that's what happened. At least that would be interesting. Okay. Uh, and what other plot holes have you got then? You want more? Go on then. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yes, because 
putting water on a keyboard is going to short out the, an entire another um, the Mechagodzilla. That is about three blocks that way. It'd be like me pouring key, water over my keyboard and the computer stopped working. Yeah, I couldn't use Realistically, all that would happen is I wouldn't be able to use the keyboard. The computer would be <laughs> fine because that's separate to my PC. I know, but I, I think, you know... Like, there's loads I'm trying to think like because you like you like Skull Island so I'm trying to think yeah. of some sort of kind of similar sort of you know completely implausible things uh, that would happen you know some of the you know some of the helicopter crashes and stuff you're just like there's no way you're getting out of that alive but you know oh yeah I mean well, there's kind of there is um, narrative I mean there is narrative leeway I would admit but stuff like it's just Dumb. I mean, there is like what I call the A-team maneuver, where basically like, you know, they come down in a crash and stagger out, shaking their heads, and despite being peppered with bullets, <laughs> and thinking, oh dear, that's bad. And you can let that slide. But stuff like the power issue and the um, and the um, the amazing unsinkable battleships despite Kong leaping on them. It's just like, <laughs> we, we got... no, you're breaking physics here. I think what it is, they kind of really started out as a, as a, as a sense of verisimilitude. They're kind of approaching it, for want of a better term, seriously. Which you can do. I mean, Godzilla, as like, Kong's good and proved that you could do that. But then they just kind of went, well, ah, screw it. Hollowerth! And like when they're trying to explain the whole kind of physics of the gravitational swirly thing uh, that you went through in Hollow Earth, it's like because they're uh, they're they're inverting gravity, aren't they? Yeah, they're saying invoking gravity. It's like no, that's looks what? Nope, nope, no. You're just making shit up now. (laughs) I think you're thinking too much into this, man. I'm not. I I think you're thinking way too much into this. No. No, what it is, the writers themselves are thinking way too much. Rather than just letting it go, they're trying to explain it. And the point they're trying to explain, you'll start thinking, okay, let's try to rationalise it. And no, I can't. <laughs> Rather than just going with it, like they did with Kong, they didn't try to explain everything in um, school. They didn't try to explain like all the genetics and biology and evolutionary um, ecology of the island. This one, yeah, it's here. Didn't try to do any explanation. It's just, here's just weird stuff. Let's go and explore it. So your argument is because they tried to explain the pseudoscience behind it that you're... Yeah, they tried to apply pseudoscience and sciences and they're just like, okay, then let's do what you're saying. Let's No, I can't. (laughs) It's just... And again, but it just... You could have completely excised all that bit in Hollow Earth. You could have. Other than pick it... Other than the empty show, which again, we've always said about is pointless... And the axe, which just felt a bit too um, Chekhov's gun for my liking. <laughs> it's, oh, look, King Kong oh, look. with a with a glowing axe, man. You know, okay, Chekhov's axe. I'm quite cool. I've not got an image of Walter Koenig running around with a, an axe, which would be quite cool. Um, uh, we've got, oh, yeah, uh, sorry, we got uh, it's uh, Michael Corey. Uh, props to history said morning fellas morning mike how are you uh, I've, I've been watching your your videos of your your trip to uh to uh, san diego and la with great interest some interesting stuff there bloody hell dog shut up 
Because the weather's so good at the minute. He just wants to be outside all the time, but he's always in and out and in and out and in and out. Like I said, if you didn't have 135,000 <laughs> followers, you'd be ejected from this house, Barmere. Um, well, make him come stay at my, that's all I'm saying. We were off topic again here, but we might as well. But we went to my, uh, obviously lockdown sort of eased slightly for us. So we went to um, my friend's house. They had like a small, guard, small garden party yesterday. And I brought Boz with me. And uh, <laughs> Boz literally just walked in sort of had to look around and then just started peeing all over the garden, like going around and peeing everywhere not, and then peeing the on the, and then peeing on their child sort of like, so they had this like, um, like this teepee thing. And so Boz just walks over, cocks his leg, pees all over it and then walks over to the kid's slide, pees on the slide and then walks over to the, the kid's sort of kind of like, you know, thingy table and pees on it as well. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Stop this. And he's just like going around. I was like, don't worry, we keep all that water, man. And he's just walking around, peeing everywhere. Yeah, it's market his territory. That's what dogs do. Like he's just going, okay, no dogs here. This is mine. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. Cock leg, cock leg, cock leg. He's just marking his territory. Yeah, I and- you could just hear him in the background. He's he's, yeah. he's he's woofing at the door and stuff. And I just, oh, what a pain in the ass. <sighs> to get a Tibetan Mastiff, they said. Well, no, actually, nobody said that to me. I just went and got it. So I can't really, I've got no one to blame but myself, basically. So. <laughs> to get a Tibetan Mastiff, I said. Yeah. The only person to blame is, in fact, yourself. It's just me. It is, it's definitely just me. I love him the bits. I love him the bits. He's amazing. But uh, he's, he's he can be tiresome sometimes when he, he wants out and stuff. Oh. My words, my words. Um, anyway, back back to the subject at hand. Um, so, I, I, you know, Kong Skull Island, and um, I enjoyed, and um, you know, I've watched it. I've watched it twice. I went to see it in the cinema, and and I watched it again with um, my girlfriend uh, the other night. We were watching it, um, and. Um, I enjoyed it. I don't think much of it. It's not that it's not something that I actively would go and watch again, but if it's just on, I, I sort of kind of watch it. And it was the same with Godzilla, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's visually stunning. I mean, it looked good. It looked fantastic. It just, yeah. And also I'd like the fact there was a definitive answer to who would win. Godzilla versus Kong, and yes, yeah, was we, there though? That's that. Yes. That is that was my that was my sort of. Oh, absolutely! In the in, like, basically, round one went to um, Godzilla. Second round went to Kong. Third round, Godzilla uh, had got sick of Kong and just stepped on him and just let rip and just said no, foot down on the Kong and just. Kong, yeah, no. I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, uh, I suppose he did. There was sort of... it, You know, there was no kind. Of, oh well, you know, it's one round to Kong, one round to Godzilla. Oh, Mechagodzilla's come up. Oh, we've got to band together. Never mind. We never got the answer. No, we got the answer. Godzilla would. You know. Well, you know. I, I suppose you know you've got a basically a radioactive super lizard. Um, yeah. You know. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, and basically you can breathe like you know radioactive breath at you and while well, Kong has got a an axe. axe. He's got an axe. He's got an axe. No, no, which he, he's which got he an used axe. effectively once and he did kind of get Godzilla down. And then just basically Godzilla went, Don't be silly, smash 
<laughs> and then they had their, they, they see this is why they needed that ship to start his heart you see that was that plot device right there oh yeah yeah i mean there was that okay that, that was there but again just the they complain about not having enough power to fuel mechagodzilla and then you've got these other like these kind of small about basically they're like um runabouts from star trek yeah yeah the shuttles they're, they're designed like you know they're flying around for six hours figured just use whatever's powering them, mate, because you're going great. I know, but I mean, there were, I don't see, I, my argument against that would be that the power that is emanating from the shuttlecraft that can invert gravity and go into the hollow earth is different from the power that is there that sort of creates or sustains well, no, these monsters. We're talking about fuel sources. Basically, you're talking about fuel sources. A, yeah. a source of power. I mean, and basically, all fuel source is, is potential energy. Okay? So, whatever's powering them is... I mean, look at the fact, it takes about eight hours to fly from UK to over to America. Yeah. And that is a fairly... You no, know, you go up to about 30,000, 40,000 feet and just gradually glide down. Right. It's fairly easy. These are zipping about all over the place for about a good six hours at least. So, I mean, whatever's powering them, just use that and stick that in Godzilla. I know, but it's different. It's like they have obviously have a power source for Godzilla that works. It's just, it's <laughs> no, not. No, it doesn't. It, that's the thing that it doesn't. It's underpowered. I know, but the they, I know, but they. It, see, yeah, I the, the whole thing is that the this this sort of kind of blue flashy light stuff that they get in the um in the sort of the Hollow Earth is you know the prime the primordial um energy source that created Kong and Godzilla and all the other sort of kind of large sort is of it? monsters. Is it? I don't know, but well, yes, of course, it's the, the inference is there, surely. Is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> also, like, all, they got, all they got was like you know, the energy signature, which is like apparently enough for them to sort out the energy problems, which is really, uh-huh. That's interesting. Pete, you're going to have to excuse me for one more minute. This dog is nice sitting there looking at me and going, oomp, oomp, oomp. Never get a dog, ladies and gentlemen. Never get a dog. You know, I might get a dog. They are your friends for life. And if you do get a dog, look after him. And he will look after you. Because, frankly, there's too many assholes out there that are being nasty dogs and get food to them. So, no, you look after a dog and they will look after you. And I've been wanting a dog for 40 plus years and never got around to it. So, I'm really thinking I should get a dog. Okay. Sorry about that. I'll stop talking about dogs now. (laughs) Seriously, man. Just, yeah. It always comes to like he's. I love him the bits, but my god, he's a pain in the ass when he wants to be like. And he's just sort of. Oh. You know what they say? Like dogs are not like their owners. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so like power source, you know, I it's the inference is there that this basically is the the energy source because it's flowing throughout the entire land when they're there. There's this sort of kind of blue sort of kind of hue going on and. Yeah. You know, there's veins of it everywhere and stuff. So that the the sort of inference is that's where it's coming from. They sort of they, you know effectively say that in the the sort of kind of pseudoscience. So that's a different type of power source. It's like it's like saying no, it's like it's like, it's like me saying right, Pete, you have a car. 
and it's a, and it's a petrol car. I was like, why don't you know? Well, there's a perfectly good diesel car over there. Why don't you use that that fuel? Well, it's different, different type, different type of power. I need the I need the petrol. But why don't you yeah, use but, it? Yeah, but Godzilla is human made and mecha- and like with like mechanical and electric components, rather than Godzilla and Kong, who are biological. Which is, to be fair, completely different. It'd be like me trying to stick a, like stick a what you call a USB port. I'm wondering up up somewhere and thinking, why aren't I get, <laughs> why aren't they getting connected? You're gonna try to charge your ass. <laughs> but yeah, but then it'd be like me sticking like you know, a USB port in my ear and thinking, okay then, right, let's see me see me get me charged up for the computer. No, it ain't working. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I just... No, have you tried sticking those USB ports up somewhere and found it works? Because I'm quite... Please tell me more. <laughs> no, but it, I, I think it's... It, when it comes to energy sources within sort yeah. of movies and stuff, I think it's like y- you've always got that one is more powerful than the other and sort of thing, and it doesn't really matter, you know, if exactly. they want specific power and stuff, you know, it's... Yeah, well, why not just build your Mechagodzilla using the better power source? Because like, they didn't have it. They didn't have it. They did. Because they built the heart, they heave, they heart, the hollow earth aerial vehicles. They built it. No, and they built it no, 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 no. Because yes, they, they built vehicles, right, to basically what happened, because the whole story was your man, the scientist, um, I can't remember his name, his yeah. brother gets killed because he goes into the hollow earth and gets basically smushed. So basically yeah. they... they, they you know, gravity inverts or whatever it's doing. And yeah. so they realized that's what was happening. So they created vehicles that could basically invert gravity. Yeah. yeah. Which so, had a power source. Yeah, but it, it, that's completely different than sort of, you know, them having that part this the 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 power source they want. It's like it's like um it's like running off a generator or running off, you know, or or, or, or having an internet that says, you know, I'm sort of on fifty meg broadband or sixty meg broadband. You're on like three hundred, you know, it's just like mine works. It works, yeah. but I don't want fifty meg. I want three 300 meg broadband and stuff so it's like they know that there's you know they've got these things it works it's fast it, it does what it's meant to do but it could be better and that's what the difference is so i don't you know just because there's a ship with a, with a power source i'm not sure if i buy into that or not well no if, okay basically um cars are built with a power source yes in this case it's fuel yes now we are basically migrating from um petrol and diesel fossil fuel-based um, power source to electrical. Yes. And that is, and so basically, and that's what we're doing. We're just basically switching out the power source. Complete, it's complete, essentially, it, they are... Um, so they're getting a the better power source, which is the point I'm trying to make, that the, 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 the energy within this the hollow earth is the power source that they want. It doesn't matter that they sort but, of... But... <laughs> They've already got the power source they need in those flying vehicles. They don't. So- well, they, they've been flying about six thousand. I know, but they've me. got a power source. It could be, it could be solar powered for all they, all we know. But it doesn't mean it might be part. It might be, it might be. It's small ships. It might be enough to power them to do what it needs to do. But it's not going to be enough to basically create a huge mecha sort of Godzilla. It doesn't create. It powers. Po- okay, yeah, create, po- it powers. All right, yeah, po- powers and- it. But it's the same thing, man. It's just like I could, I could use. Um, solar power to to 
par my home but if i don't have enough sort you know the right amount it's gonna you know just par these lights and that tv yeah, so use the, the appropriate power source which exactly. you know, has a lot of power as in those hollow earth aerial vehicles that were flying around for six no, hours no you're i no i'm not well, i i don't think that's a plot hole i think that's a, di- a difference of opinion i i i, I won't but I, I think there's plot holes but i don't buy into that one okay one other big plot hole is how did godzilla manage to use his breath weapon all the way down through the earth's crust into hollow earth well, I suppose you don't know whereabouts the hollow earth starts, basically. It's not like it's the centre of the... Okay. You're in the middle of Hong Kong, which is a very densely built city with lots of skyscrapers. That is in itself quite heavy, so you need something fairly... a lot of support to withstand all that weight. And somehow Godzilla breathes his breath weapon all down, 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 all the way through the hollow earth. What? Wait, what's the point? What's? What are you? Okay, Godzilla at the end fires his breath weapon all the way down to Hollow Earth. Right. Yep. Yeah. Godzilla then, sorry, Kong then follows it all the way up. Really? It fought, it raised all the way down to Hollow Earth. How far did that go? Oh, so because and then he basically fall, he jumps. Yeah, but you don't know because this is it, and this is the thing. Cause you, so you don't know. So you, your argument is that in Kong Skull Island they don't explain it, therefore it's better. So they don't explain why or how this does this thing. It's literally he's I just playing. Yeah. The, they're just trying to explain everything, like such as with that gravity anomaly thing, squishy thing, and how they could all do it all, get past it all now, and. It just didn't hold up for me. It just did not work trying to explain everything. The fact, I mean, the fact is, I'm just glad they didn't try to explain um, Kong or Godzilla what they were exactly. Just Keiju, just leave it at that. The Keiju, they're stomping around, they're having a good fisticuffs as they do. But when you try to get into the science behind it and like, well, because with an organisation like Monarch, whose entire goal seems to be explaining it, then the writers have found themselves the need to try to explain things. And what you can't really explain something like Kong or Godzilla or the Hollow Earth. You just have to accept it and move on. I think I'll agree that if you start throwing in pseudoscience into films um, or series, um, then it does open it up for assault. Um, through you, well, that, that doesn't make sense, or this doesn't make sense. It's like the big, massive sort of plot hole is like you know they're explaining everything. Um, well, they're, well, they're not explaining everything. They're 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 trying to throw in pseudoscience to explain certain things, but then they completely ignore the fact that they've to- they've completely totaled uh, Hong Kong. Numerous millions of people have probably been killed, okay. and that's sort of kind of just sort of you know that's fine. It's okay because Godzilla is just trying to stop you know, this from happening and Kong's, you know, Kong's, you know, injured and needs sort of, you know, help and it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. These millions of people are, are dead now and uh, it's all right. But the thing is, if they they hadn't put too much into it, then it's just like, yeah, it's just, it's two big kaiju beating the shit out of each other. Yeah. Uh, it's like a computer game, you know, you can just sort of deal with it. It's, it's basically Rampage. Yeah, it's like Rampage. Well, I mean, um, I mean, if that recall, the it was um, Batman, uh, was that Batman, Superman film, where they're fighting in Metropolis, 
and they're, they're completely trashing everything. And people pointed out, what about those thousands of people that died? I know, but this is the thing, though, because people really jumped on that. So people jumped yeah. on the whole sort of like, you know, there was there would have been a lot of people. And I think that's where the, you know, Batman versus Superman, they did that whole, they used that, the whole like um, Bruce Wayne running into this, you know, running into the storm to try and save people. And that's why he didn't like yeah. Superman because he's dangerous and stuff. So, but yeah, with, with Godzilla versus Kong, it's, you know, having two kaiju kicking the shit out of each other in a in a in a built-up city is kind of what kaiju have been doing since yeah, the first absolutely. ever sort of godzilla film you know yeah it's, it's just... like that's what um, godzilla does he goes and then challenges things and yeah yeah so i you know that doesn't bother me you know it, that, it doesn't matter about the body count or you know how it sort of shrugged off with you know nobody really cares you know so godzilla sort of kind of does his salute into the sort of kind of sunset and takes himself off into the water yeah and uh and kong basically you know it's all right that you know he probably killed a lot of people and it's all right the scientists sort of taking him off to the to the island oh sorry back to the um to the whole earth to sort of kind of you know live out his life and stuff and there's no like military sort of thing going on it's like wait a minute so there's lots of these guys in there and you know they've just killed oh, yeah. millions of people and we're just gonna we're just happy to let them sort of do their thing you know oh yeah basically as soon as well they tried to be fair that uh, the military tried to take tried to take out Godzilla before by attacking nuking him and that didn't work it just made him a bit grumpy yeah. I yeah I, I yeah I I think personally I didn't think much into it I watched it I enjoyed it um it's not it's not a film that will sort of it's not it's not a film that blew me away or anything it was really beautiful you know some of the the scenes and stuff yeah. the fighting you know it was it was what you kind of need it's like what's it called um it's like Pacific Rim you know there's I was not going to ask yeah. yeah it's like Pacific Rim Pacific there's not much Rim, to, into it it's just sort of big things fighting big things lots yeah. of stuff getting destroyed in many ways godzilla versus kong felt like an inversion of um pacific rim because pacific rim is Keiji come along humanity fights um makes his own monsters so to speak in, in both giant zombie robots and punches them in the face here he, um, the subject corporation decides that kong sorry, that godzilla is a, a is a danger and therefore built his own mech unfortunately this time godzilla and kong come along and punched in the face instead <laughs> and basically like I say, you know I mean? it's basically inversion of pacific rim rather than pacific rim we're rooting for the mechs godzilla versus kong we're rooting for the cajun yeah that's true yeah it's not, that is true um, and i must admit, i really like pacific rim i did i had no interest in watching uprising it was like um because that just felt a bit shit it was Pacific Rim. There was mass and motion, and I'd use this term loosely physics <laughs> you know, because they, they felt the mood as if they had weight. Basically, they felt like they had mass and momentum to them. Right. The, the very slow, the very deliberate. There was kind of a, you know, it's like it felt like you were trying to um, pilot, you know, 100 foot tall skyscraper. In the sequel, Uprising, they were leaping and bouncing around everywhere. And it's like, no. <laughs> I, I feel like we need to sort of kind of check out this. I, I, I'm still not 100%. I'm still... 
thing is, if Kong can be on a container ship, this, we're going back to this song. If Kong can be on a container ship, yeah. Uh, <laughs> say it again. If, big if. if Very big he, if. So if he's on that, in theory, right? So let's 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 put the argument in that he's on that container ship. So that container ship in in the in the movie world that it's in, in the sort of alternative universe that it's in, can hold his weight. Therefore, yeah. if he was to jump on it or whatever, it should be able to keep buoyant and it would be the okay. same with um, similar ships. For example, is you're going across a thin beam, okay? A thin beam. Yeah. That's separate. That's like now it can just about hold your weight. Yep. Yeah, but it's not sink- that 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 container ship isn't sinking. It's no, like no, no, just it's... just wait. But what happens if you jumped um, on that plank instead of just standing there? There'd be much stronger impact load. From the from the because now you're going jumping up and then you're just landing back down on it. I know, but and surely that, it would like I don't know the physics behind it, but it's like I do. Yeah, yeah. I I just as much as I I just don't know because if you've got something that can hold that weight and has the buoyancy to hold the weight and one that has you know when he's struggling on on board in the chains and stuff, then yeah. jumping up and down you know, or jumping off it, you know, it showed it, it obviously caused it, it to rock and stuff, but I don't think, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if I... I okay, I, well, just negating the fact of, you know, that there's the bouncing Kong and you can somehow leap between uh, battleships. When there's both of them on the aircraft carrier at the same time having a scrap and somehow the aircraft carrier hasn't shifted in the slightest rather than being at the bottom of the sea by now. I'm going to Google this. Would an aircraft carrier be able to hold... <laughs> hold no, I want to I I see that on Kowara. Godzilla and Kong. Yeah, I'll get in touch with the um, Navy. Can, the Royal right, Navy. Here, there is an, an international... Uh, right, so the, the, this is the first Google result for this, right? So we'll see, this is the first one, so we'll see what it says. Right, so they've got some, like, Godzilla weighs much more than the Nimitz-class aircraft carrier. Godzilla's weight is uh, 99.63, sorry, 99,634 tons. He's about 120 metres tall. Um, Kong's weight unknown, about 102 metres. Uh, you guys are too heavy, says the thing. U.S. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Nimitz-class, full load displays, uh... 10 full load displacement uh 10,400 10,400 no actually uh 10,458,1 tons sorry uh light displacement uh 80,777 tons dead weight tonnage 23,000 tons both king both king kong's height and weight are unknown but it's still possible to connect uh, to come to conclusion that nimitz class aircraft carrier cannot carry the two monsters it cannot even carry godzilla however there Thank does you. exist a ship that can hold both godzilla and king kong it is the ever given uh evergreen container ship that blocked the suez canal for six days <laughs> well so right so the argument could be that you know it might be 
that it looks like it a was Nim- the ever given. It, it might be the Nimitz class. It might look like a, a USS Theodore Roosevelt Nimitz class aircraft carrier, but in this parallel universe where big monkeys jump around with big lizards, that it has the tonnage of the um, obviously this uh, this container ship. <laughs> So it no. could, in theory, so the Evergreen can carry the weight of two Godzillas. Godzillas weigh 99,000 uh, tons. Uh, the Evergreen, ever container ship, dead weight tonnage, 199,000 tons with yes, 400 meters. Why just stick it on a container ship and that would have solved the entire problem? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess. Yeah, well, there you go. Um... <laughs> so yes. Yeah, but I mean, Issues with the plot and plot holes aside, it looked great. It really was wonderful. You could see what was going on at all times. It was they used the lighting effectively, so it was never obfuscated. Um, they ca- and yet, even though you could you could see what was happening all the time, there was still that immense sense of scale to them. I would love to have seen this on the cinema screen, where you would have sat back and seen these massive hulking monsters and case you on screen without any problems, but rather than watch it on your laptop or on tablet. Um, but overall, it looked fantastic, and it really kind of pulled off. I mean, when, when, quite often um, when movies are trying to show something, the scale of it, they kind of shoot it from, like, you know, from, from human perspective, so you're kind of looking straight up. And that one, that while that gives that, that a sense of scale and a size, it sort of diminishes the clarity of what's happening on screen. But here, though, um, in Godzilla vs. Kong, they kind of solved that by by ensuring that no matter where they were on screen, there's always something as a point of reference to show, like, this is the um, size of Kong, and look, that is the human building there next to it. Mm-hmm. And throughout that, they kind of kept that scale and that perspective in short, always ensuring that there's something human there. Just kind of give that kind of relatability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one thing I really liked, though, I mean, I really enjoyed the plot, the storyline of Kong far more than Godzilla, um, partly because they had that um, deaf-mute girl um, who had that bond, um, with Kong, never explains what happens, but we just go with it because it was just. It well, so that's because that she's a part of the, you know, the Skull Island. They had that sort of um, that oh, group, yeah. of, that group yeah. of people on the island who uh, don't talk. She was one of them. They're all yeah. dead. They're all dead apparently. So it's like yeah. literally, it's like yeah, there was a storm. They all died, and that's it. It's yeah. like well, no, there I, was a storm in, on the island, and they all died, bar bar uh, this little girl. But she worked very well. That. But, but, even like just the small exchanges between this you know tiny little girl, this whole King Kong, uh, just it really worked very well, and I thought it just add that little human element to it, and it worked. And you never explained how or why or. But the thing is, he's always got this affinity towards a sort of a, a girl. It's sort of everything he's, you know, yeah, from the early the early films and stuff, there's always been something that he yeah. can connect well, with them and stuff. I, there's one shot that I just absolutely love, which is on that aircraft carrier where um, Kong's getting quite stressed and he needs to take some more of his, um, uh, what do you call it, sedatives yeah. uh, to ch- chill out. 
Øhm, Se som Skibby Snack Space. Dopamine. Dopamine måtte være. And um, she comes out and just kind of uh, holds, holds up a finger to him and then Kong Mim is starting kind of like and like with his own thing, and he just a huge finger going towards her, and just gently touches her finger, and that was such a beautiful shot. And I thought that was really nicely done. It, like it's completely that dialogue, yet through the physicality of their of them both, it told you so much more. Yeah. So I thought I would really like that. I wonder, you know, because you know, I'm glad. Well, not glad. I. Uh... I'm glad that they did have a sort of... I knew there was going to be a sort of team-up, so I knew the whole sort of... When they said there was going to be a definitive winner, uh, I, I, I was like, is there? Because I guarantee at some point in time they're going to team up against something and deal with it and stuff because yeah. that's how these films work. And obviously, whenever Godzilla came out, I was just like, all right, there you go, there's a team-up. But um, obviously, he gets he gets downed, and I think he gets he gets beaten pretty much godzilla you know it beats him twice i don't think yeah I, I, he, yeah, yeah it beats him once the first time on um because in many ways because godzilla was in his um you know natural environment yeah um but kong beats him second time because you could argue that was kong's natural environment there's kind of lots of things for him to kind of dodge around and climb yeah. up and then Godzilla got grumpy and said, I've had enough of you messing me around and just slaughtered Kong. Yeah, well, it's just like, and it's the fact, but the thing is, it's like, he doesn't finish him off. He he just no. sort of stands on his chest and I mean, then it's, sort of... Well, it's basically, there's, there's two animals asserting dominance over each other. Yeah, that's what that is. It was... And basically, like, raw, like basically, foot on chest, raw on each other's face and essentially say, you are my bitch now. Yeah, and I think there was uh, there is a bit in it where sort of lot, he submits. Sorry, I think Kong submits. There's yes. there's a bit where he sort of kind of gives in. You can see that he's, he's given in again. It's again they kind of relied on. The, it's a lot like two dogs fighting for dominance, and essentially um, Godzilla metaphorically bared his. It's like Kong metaphorically bared his neck to Godzilla, mm. and basically like, okay, yeah, you beat me. Yeah, okay, you're top. You're top dog, or top KG. And, yeah, basically just, you know, submitted. And Which is kind of what they would do, because we don't know even know what Godzilla eats. He doesn't seem to eat, you know, other KG. So... Maybe he just draw, maybe he just sort of kind of lives off that power energy. Maybe he sort of has goes down and has a bit of a toke on uh, one of the, a vent from the uh, from the the Hall of Earth, and that, that's that's him sorted, you know. Yeah, but again, but it's just yeah, but again, it just worked. I mean, again, there was no dialogue there. It was two occasion boring into, into each other's faces. Um, but again, it, just the physicality and their um, body, uh, body language spoke volumes for what was going on. He didn't need dialogue. He didn't need someone kind of narr- narrating like David Attenborough going, well, we have these two gays fighting here. Oh, oh, look, and one's kind of um, submitted to the other. He didn't need any of that, on which, the, which I'm glad there wasn't. He just had that pure body language and imagery to show you, and it was great. Oh, yeah. 
I enjoyed it. You know, it wasn't, it, it's not a film that I'm going to sort of, you know, rant about. And it, it, yeah. it's just one of those, but again, it's like Pacific Rim and things like that. Those kaiju movies is, they're just a feast for the eyes and you don't really, I don't think too much into them about sort of stuff. You know, there's a lot of, there is a lot of silly things going on. And like you said, the conspiracy theory, which isn't really a conspiracy theory. And, um, yeah. you know, all this other stuff going on uh they're they're shoehorning things in just to make sure it sort of kind of all sort of kind of clicks together and it's just like yeah that doesn't bother me you know as long as i see a monkey and a lizard kick the shit out of each other in hong kong then you know i don't care about the casualties basically (laughs) it's sort of you know out of out of sight out of mind basically it's just sort of like you know you're just like oh well i didn't see anybody die it's okay (laughs) fine (laughs) but yeah I, I I'd give it a um uh, you know that's a, I I don't like I don't like comparing films it's like apples with yeah. oranges so if I you know for a a kaiju movie for one of those type of movies yeah you know it's a solid eight you know um for me I, but compared to sort of you know it's not gonna it's not going to sort of stand up against sort of like Schindler's List or, oh, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, like, you, you can't know. compare those two types of movies. I mean, it'd be like comparing, um, like, you know, a work on the um, Holocaust to the latest um, Dan Brown novel. You can't just compare. They're completely different genres. Um, for me, it'd be like six, six, seven, some around that region. Better than average, I think is the best way to put it, just purely from the visuals and the um, direction. Yeah. Um, it just, yeah, for the reasons I've already stated, I'm going into a loop all over again. <laughs> I think you're thinking too much into it, man. It's just like... I kind of... No, no, I didn't think too much. Obviously, it's like, we didn't try to explain it. We didn't try to start explaining things and give with gobbledygook Duke insights, I would not start trying to follow their logic. And when I can't follow logic, I get wound up and frustrated. <laughs> And then you turn into Draken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. You don't want me turning into Draken. <laughs> the one thing, I, 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 this is completely off topic, but uh, for those who aren't aware, we need Dungeons and Dragons on Thursday nights. Um, Pete's character is a dragon board called Draken who um, just does his own thing. Um, and he just, it's funny because he just, if that's what Dragon would do, he he does it, and it, it's quite amusing because a lot of chaos ensues. So um, yeah. yeah, that's though Dragon you had your own sort of loophole on Thursday, I think when you yeah. when, when you set fire to some innocent people and stuff. So uh, well, you don't know if they were innocent or not, but the argument would be that they could be. They were not. They were not unarmed, and you set fire yeah. to them and stuff. So well, Dragon uh, was busy approaching the div like this has all gone very weird and I'm pretty certain you're all in, in collusion with, with these bad guys and <laughs> or, yeah, under a, gonna... or under a spell could be but then again equally Draken was not thinking in his right mind to be fair he just <laughs> and was because the axe was influencing him he wanted the axe and he was basically trying to draw up uh, intimidation and fear by Weaving fire around everywhere and trying to get everyone worked up a bit. Unfortunately, that didn't really work out as he was intending. See, the uh, the axe doesn't have the right power source, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> so therefore, all needs an off button, and therefore that curse no longer affects it. Yeah, Check. that's what Sorted. it is. They right. need to go. You need to, you need a proper power source. It needs to be, you know, 
blue and sort of like shiny <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> Actually, one film. Um, okay, we're going to talk again. What the hell? Has have you watched Into the Night? Uh, it rings a bell. It's a Netflix series about six episodes long, and the basic premise is the sunlight is now killing you. And basically, it's just like they've got to stay ahead of this dawn. So basically, this guy um, <clears throat> hijacks this um, like passenger plane and says, you're flying west. You're flying into the night. Keep going. And basically, the hop, hop scop, um, leapfrogging from airport to airport, landing, fueling, and taking off again. Oh, so it's kind just, of like Battlestar Galactica, but on Earth. That's a suitable analogy, but yeah, but basically, if the light hits you, you die. So what about... And so is, it's, is, 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 actually, I'm not... Well, I'll watch it, actually. I'm not, I'm not asking any questions. I'm not going to explain it, uh, but... Um, um, I, I'm an engineer, 20 years, and now a freelance journalist specialised in science technology, amongst other things. And my wife is a, a fellow of the Institute of Mechanical Engineers okay. and is similarly 20 plus year engineer. Barring the occasional bit of her, huh, it actually stands up to our scrutiny fairly well. And it does it in a very entertaining and engaging manner. Okay. I, we are both very impressed with it. And it's like, okay, assuming the premise is what have you, and the reason why that actually makes a lot of sense. And how did, and especially like how they approach the aircraft and what happens to it and how they resolve things with it. So yeah, I really recommend checking it out. It's, um, it's uh, from Europe. I can't remember which country exactly, um, possibly Belgium. Uh, but yeah, it's got a fantastic cast. It's re- a good story, well told, basically. There's a couple of ones I, I want to see. Dark. Is it in subtitle? Is it subtitles or is it? Yes, yeah, it's subtitles, and it's also got um, dubbing as well, if you want. No, I'll probably go with subtitles. It just with subtitles because I can sort of zone in and out when I'm watching Netflix. Yeah. Sometimes I kind of want to focus so in with the yeah. films that I want to sort of be able to read the subtitles and understand what's going on. I really recommend watching um, Into the Night. It's just a really good story, well told, and was a fair. It's it maintains the science for no, it never breaches its own logic. Um, Whatever it establishes, it just moves forward with it, and that makes sense. There's another thing on Netflix that has come on called uh, Love of Mo- Love of Monsters. Oh yeah, I've heard that one. I keep something I mean, keep meaning to check out. Uh, and it's basically I, I saw like the advert for it. Uh, Love of Monsters. It's got. Um, What's his name in it? Uh, it's got yeah, it's got it's got Michael Rooker in it as well. Okay. Yeah, Michael Rooker's in it. Um, and it's basically, from what I understand, is from the the advert that I just saw about twenty uh, for an hour ago was there's a meteor about to hit Earth. Uh, the uh, people on Earth basically send up a bunch of nuclear missiles to blow it up. They do, but then all the nuclear fallout comes back to Earth and mutates all the animals on the planet, and they turn into monsters and basically start eating everybody. And so they're like in these sort of like like hide holes, and he's basically trying to find some girl that he knows and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's it, it looks it looks interesting. So uh, I'm gonna give that a whirl. And there's another one called American Assassin. Um, which is oh, yeah, seems interesting. Um, I've just I've just watched uh, a series 
Um, and it's about a art heist that happened in 1990 in Boston. Ooh. And, um, oh, what's the fuck was it called? Um, Netflix and Bob and the Ames. Uh, oh yeah, art heist. That's it. First one on. Okay. This is is this is a robbery. Um, the world's biggest art heist, and so it's basically that they stole half a billion po- uh, dollars worth of art from this um called I think it's called like the Garden uh, Museum in in Boston, and uh, they 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 still haven't found who did it. Um, and it's going through you know all the suspects of who it could be, and you know where it was, and all this other stuff and how it happened and it's it's really good really good but they still don't know and I, the fbi are still looking for it and it's like okay. what what nearly 30 odd years later yeah actually one thing that, uh wife and i watched as well recently was hannah on amazon prime oh sure I've seen uh, that. yeah that's, it's basically what if jason Bourne was a teenage girl <laughs> right okay and it's actually pretty good the actress who played hannah is spot on she kind of has that very internalized rage that someone who has such training and manipulation has gone through and she really does nail the role and i love the fact that the second season was basically jason bourne meets um saint trinians (laughs) basically you had this kind of this school of um teenagers being being trained and genetic and it's sort of very much alluded to um genetically adjusted because um in hannah she is basically being given wolf dna and therefore she's kind of like no she's she's very much uh, a loner and she's kind of got enhanced she's got much stronger and faster and what and what have you Mm. And basically, in the second season, it's like you know, it's a school of them now, and Hannah's trying to infiltrate it. And it's basically Jason Bourne with Centurion. It's just great because you've got these genetically enhanced teenagers being given um, military and special forces training and wondering what, what could possibly go wrong. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? I mean, possibly. That's the first thing that's gone wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, of course, I've been catching up with a lot of films, and like also I watched um, the Snyder Cut as well. Oh yeah, all right. Make it. Okay, yeah. We 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 talked about this already, but watch yeah. you you had a uh, you were quite vocal about it on our on our <laughs> chat on our chat. About well, this. I never knew um, Aquaman had a cult. What? What? That cult at the start. It had oh, all right, kind the of, singing, the singing. Yeah, it was just like that was so weird. It was you odd. Could have easily cut that film down in half if you just kind of removed the all the abs worshiping and the slow mo. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 could, I really enjoyed it, but there was some odd you parts. You needed someone it. to rein in Snyder and being overly Snyder, and it was. You, it would have been better as an as an event miniseries rather than a four hour epic film I, I with completely an ending disagree. that rivaled <laughs> Return of the King in sheer epilogue. Um, I watched that and it's just like, did the Joker really say what I thought he said? <laughs> oh my! I never. That's something I never want to hear again. I just again. love the fact that Martian Manhunter was on it. I was just like, holy shit, Martian Manhunter at the end. Yeah, it's. Like... it's I mean, it's. 
there's always going to be comparison between DC and Marvel. They are the two big boys in the comics world. Um, I mean, frankly, I'm more of an image person. Person, I really like what image comics are doing. But, you know, the big boys, for want of a better term, is DC and Marvel. Um, and therefore, there's always going to be comparison between Marvel Universe and the DC Universe. What, and whilst I'm not privy to the inner workings of DC and DCEU and Warner Brothers, it felt a lot like DC saw the Avengers and the success of it and the MCU, but we want some of that. So they left straight like that. So they did like a you know, Batman film. So did a Superman film. Did a Batman film. So Batman vs Superman. And thought, right, okay, let's do the, let's do our Avengers. Let's do the Justice League. But you didn't have that build up and that. Sense no, I agree of, with that. I agree with that. Um, you know, I I, I love Man of Steel. Um, Batman versus Superman was questionable, but I sort yeah. of kind of was kind of hoping Justice League on its own as it was was okay. But I thought the Snyder Clock was great, and I honestly have no issue with films being four hour long, fours hour long. Um, it doesn't bother I me in any way, shape, or form. It would have been better as just like a series of four one hour episodes, bum, bum, bum. or even just cut them into chapters. I mean, they had, but they were had in chapter, chapters. Chapter. They yeah, were in chapters. I mean, just having like does like as a season episode. That I don't know why it would have been more digestible that way much more but easier you, rather than a four hour epic where you got to right raise ourselves guys we're going in i mean yes i know you could literally just like pause and like then jump to it but it just felt no i don't know it would have felt better to see use of um separate chapters rather than like for an event series rather than like one big chunk of film i didn't feel uh, it didn't feel like two hours four hours to me like i you know at the start it, like six hours to me to be fair it, it's it, at the start it was you know, it was a yeah. slow-mo burn. It was, at yeah. the start, I was like, am I going to like this? I'm not sure. It is a bit slow. But then when it starts kicking in, it's awesome. So good at the end as well. And it's just like some of the changes they've made are really good. And, yeah. you know, I know at the end, there's a lot of sort of kind of like just, they they have just chucked stuff in at the end just to make sure mm. it's there. But I think that gives, especially the stuff they've done with Cyborg, I think that has... Um, given him something that he didn't get in the original Justice League oh, film yeah. and gives so a lot more depth. Massively, you know, underused in the in the original cuts. And here it's much more integral to the team and the plot. Yeah. Which is what you need. I will say this other it's all the actors perfect. They really nailed their roles. And I will say with you, Ben Affleck was perfect as Batman. He and I was ambivalent about Affleck being Batman. Now I was in there he could pull it off. He he really nailed um, Bruce Wayne. I thought he some some actors that have played the Batman either lean more into Bruce Wayne or they lean in more into being Batman. Yeah. With Affleck, I think he kind of got the balance of both sides of the Batman character, the Bruce Wayne and the Batman. Yeah, it's great Batman. Yeah, I was quite pleased. I mean. Um, my, my person, my favorite Batman is um, Christian Bale. I thought he really did well, but Ben Affleck, I, I'd say pretty much just as good. Do you know what? It's like I, you know, I with Batman, I was never a massive fan of the Tim Burton Batmans. You know, even like Michael Keaton, I like, I, I really like Michael Keaton and stuff. Um, I wasn't a massive fan of the sort of series, the Michael Keaton ones I could deal with, but you know, from that point on, I wasn't really that, I wasn't interested yeah, I, in. I enjoyed, enjoyed the Michael Keaton ones, like I, I loved Batman Returns. I thought that I loved the aesthetic to it. 
Yeah. It looked fantastic, and Michelle Pfeiffer in a, you know, rubber uh, beauty <laughs> cat suit. Who wants not to love? And but also, but going beyond the um, that, you know, she played a fantastic character. It was a fantastic reimagining of the Catwoman, and she nailed it. She absolutely nailed that role perfectly. Picture in just like the mannerisms and the background to the character, and like the evolution of the character, how she was very timid and submissive to this kind of. You know, really powerful and vibrant woman. I love that evolution of character, and yeah, it's perfect. And then you got the sequels, mm. uh, which was based the law of diminishing returns in action. Yeah, well, very much so. But like, even like, I I, I had no interest in the in the the ones like with um uh what's his name um George Clooney. George, George Clooney, and there was uh Val Kilmer as well. Yes. It's like it's the car, right? Chicks love the car. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, it didn't really, those Batman films, I wasn't really that bothered, but I watched them on TV when they were on. Even the Michael Keaton ones, I wasn't sort of, I wasn't a massive Batman fan. I started getting into Batman more um, as sort of, you know, not being a massive comic book sort of guy. You know, I, I had, you know, the comic books that I got were generally Star Wars ones and stuff, so I wasn't sort of um, DC or Marvel. But whenever the chris nolan christopher nolan sort of batman came out i was like wow this is a this is a this is a really gritty yeah. batman i enjoy this but now and this is what it's weird though it's like i think i can't take because he's been parodied so much his voice is like i buy burn and he, he's sort of like that voice has been parodied yeah. so much now i can't take him that seriously and it's like i watch it back and i, I kind of cringe slightly because i'm just like it's just like i'm seeing all these sort of parodies in my head and so like ben affleck's batman just feels a lot better because it's a bit more sort of natural brutal i know he has a bit of a voice changer slightly yeah. but it's just you know for me you know that feels like batman you know the comic books i have read uh the graphic novels I even uh, some of the cartoons and stuff, and it's just like well, yeah. there's, there's been so many interpretations of Batman. If you if you look from like Batman Year One, uh, Batman nineteen sixty six, like which kind of um, mirrored the Adam West and Burt Ward Batman and Robin series from the sixties, and then you've kind of got the um, very brutal uh, Dark Knight Returns. There've been kind of very many kind of iterations and stylistic directions of Batman over the years. I mean, you've gone through, through the, you know, the world's great detective all the way through to the cold-hearted um, vigilante. And basically, it's kind of been of, of its time more than anything else. You go back from way, way back when it was first created. There's been vague... It just, it's kind of adapted to each era. Mm. Well, I like, I like the Batman that he is now. I like his yeah. sort of grittier, jaded you know, more sort of like, um, I don't know, slightly more hardcore. Um, and I just like that. I, I'll say he was more hardcore in, um, like in the later, in the later Nolan films of Batman. Oh, I, I think in the original Batman versus Superman, when he's just sort of like, you know, when he's just kicking ass in that warehouse and stuff like that, like that fight scene's amazing. So good. Enjoy that fight yeah. scene. Um, you know, with the Batman in the Christopher Nolan ones, it does the the fights. Even that are a bit more like 
you know, uh, film-based martial arts, mm. whereas the ones in sort of like Batman versus Superman or, you know, him being him, it's more yeah. sort of kind of grounded in MMA and more sort of like, you know, it feels a bit more sort of... Realistic. Realistic yeah. and brutal. Yeah. And, I, and I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I think that in any way, that's kind of an evolution of like how we're approaching violence now. It's I'd like it in this area, because I mean, it's text... It's 15 years since the first Nolan Batman. So again, kind of like things have evolved. Our approach to violence and action and Vicarocchi has evolved in even that time. Um, and yeah, I mean, how we approach now is going to be less stylistic and much more grounded. Mm. Mm. I, I mean, yeah, but having that, I mean, if you look at something like uh, Into the Badlands, which is on Amazon Prime, that is just, yeah, that's bonkers. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, but yeah, the fighting in there is just completely bonkers. So I sort of kind of argued against myself here. So <laughs> the, the best, the best fighting I've seen in films is the John Wick ones. I like, I just, I will admit, yeah, the the gunplay that reminded me of um, Chalion Fats and the uh, John Woo films. Yeah, it's just like it, they're more grounded in reality, and even to the point where that he when he's running out of ammunition and stuff, he changes guns and he changes, yeah. you know, clips and things and just the fighting and stuff. Cause he does obviously uh, judo and jujitsu and stuff. He, he sort of kind of, you can see that he does it and stuff. And as, as the John Wick films go on, he's be, becoming increasingly haggard. And yeah, it's true. Uh, it's slightly slowed down. Cause you see the first one, it's a bit more intense, but you can tell yeah. because it's based like, back to back it's happening so he's injured and he's feeling yeah. a bit you know it's, and it's, car- it's carrying it over he's carrying it over and yeah and I think that's that's a really good if story. you're looking for a really good action film and well, which of that which is grounded no minimal wires and no CGI I would recommend um, Ben Luth 13 uh, District B 13 okay. it's this French parkour movie Starring uh, David Bell, and I'm going to completely ruin this name, Cyril Rafferty. And it's basically um, Escape from New York in Paris mm-hmm. with a lot of Parker and free running. Now, this, this first 10 minutes is the equivalent of any Hollywood um, climax. Wow, it is, and it's just basically just pure Parker free running and just martial arts, and it's just incredibly fast and just the kinetic brilliance to the film. And literally, like the guy is just runs along, jumps um, through a window um, above a door, lands, keeps running, leaps out the window, um, and then grabs a rope and then swings around the building. And he, the guy, did that. Uh-huh. There was no. There was no kind of CGI. There was no uh, wire work. He just did it. Have you ever seen a film called The Raid? Yes. Um, yeah, I love that. Me, um, the Raid is just brilliant. It yeah, was the soundtrack's awesome as well. Incredibly brutal, but that was the martial arts that they used. I, remember, was, I can't remember exactly which type they used, but yeah, it was. The, they used a, a very specific martial art and which is brutal and that just reflected it. It was absolutely over the top. It was just they just embraced the wonderfully over the top nature of it. But yeah, it was just so brutal and hardcore. I, I loved it. It reminded me in some way of Dread, yeah, in 2012, which came out at the same time. And 
essentially had a very similar premise, but the execution was far different. Yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. Right, okay, so uh, we're pretty much saying, back to Kong versus uh, Godzilla versus yeah. Kong, that um, yeah. a good well, romp. Say, yeah, watch it, watch it. You'll not be disappointed, but just switch your brain off. Just enjoy the visuals, yeah. try not to follow the plot. Just don't don't worry about power sources too much. Yeah. I'm sorry, but if you try to explain it and say, "Oh, we need more power," it's like, well, and we've we, we we have fact checked that Godzilla and Kong could not have stood on that aircraft carrier. So, you thank know, you. We've that Pete was right; they they couldn't have sat on that um on that thing, you know. So there you go, yeah. sorted. Let's remember, Peter's right. <laughs> Peter's right. Uh, I'm not sure about the power source thing. That's uh, that's, uh, that's definitely oh, yeah. up for debate. Um, but yes, all right. So we'll we'll leave that there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much uh, for uh, listening. Uh, if you're watching, uh, thanks to Michael Corey. Props to history, everybody on TikTok. Um, some amazing videos uh, he's doing at this moment in time with regards to his trip to LA and all the prop houses there. Some really interesting stuff. Um, um, for me tonight, I've been Matt Geary, and with me tonight has been Peter Ray Allison. Good night, everyone, and take care of each other. Night, everybody. Bye. Bye.